I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In a sudden flash, it all comes clear. It's a eureka moment, an epiphany. Hi, I'm Marcus Smith, host of the Constant Wonder podcast. The world offers marvel, meaning, and mystery around every single corner. In nature, art, science, culture, history... We talk everything from bees and beetles to obelisks and asteroids. Experience the thrill of transformative encounter. We'll bring more wonder to your day. Listen to Constant Wonder wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to another installment of History Hack. It's Ancient History Day today, so Alina is extremely happy and she's doubly happy today. Why is that, Alina? (laughs) Why am I happy? I'm really happy because we've got a really awesome guest We've had this guest before, but we've brought him back on just because he is awesome and funny. Okay. I am going to run with this through this whole podcast. It really annoyed me. It's but anyway. Students don't laugh at his jokes. Yes. It, it really frustrates me. I'm really annoyed and I'm, I'm, it's my mission to change this because he's going to be funny. He's going to be funny today. So if you all don't start laughing, I will come and find you. Anyway. We have with us Michael Scott, who is a professor of classics at Warwick University. He's a published author and broadcaster. He's published books like Delphi. So you might have a guess of uh, what we were talking about last time. A History of the Centre of the Ancient World and Ancient Worlds and Epic History of East and West. And how cool is this? He's an honorary citizen of Delphi. I mean, that is awesome in itself. Welcome, Michael. Hello. Thank you for having me back. Um, This is brilliant. This is totally self-serving, this podcast, because (laughs) we are obsessed with a certain film uh, that we were young when it came out. We like it for that reason alone. Um, We were all young. We were all young when it came out. 1997. 1997. Stress it. I was doing my GCSEs that year. I was... Hold on. I was... uh, Well, I'm trying to... Alex, you would have been... No... 11. I wish I was 10. Anyway, Hercules. <laughs> but it's not Hercules, Michael, is it? It's Heracles. Let's define it right here, right now. If you're talking Greek, he's Heracles, right? Exactly, yeah. He's the guy with two names. Uh, the Greeks uh, were kind of the inventors of Heracles. But the Romans, in the way that the Romans always do, they come in, they take all the best bit from Greek, best bits from Greece, they translate them a bit into their own vernacular. And then because the Romans, you know, potted around Europe and particularly came to Britain, we tend to kind of pick up the Roman way of doing things. And it really annoys me. The Greeks never get the credit they deserve. So yeah, Heracles as he was in the Greek world, Hercules uh, in the Roman world. Um, And you can go elsewhere as well, because in the Etruscan world, so pre the Romans in Italy, he was called Hecalaire. There you go. So he's got three names at least. That's really I think confusing. we're going to stick to, Her- do you know what, to make you happy, we're going to refer to him as Heracles in this podcast because all my notes have written, no, actually I lie because I've just clocked to Hercules. Okay, apart from that one tiny mistake in my notes, he is referred to as Heracles on this podcast. Agreed, Absolutely. Alex? Agreed. 
Uh, can and I ask one? Thank you for it. I think both of you, Heracles, would be happy. Perfect. Can I ask the one about the muses, just because this makes me laugh? So there, what are there three of them in the Disney film, aren't there, doing all the singing? Um, but in reality, they were more like So Solid crew. There were loads of them, weren't there? Oh, God knows. Yeah. I mean, the, the muses, they keep kind of going up and down in number. I mean, it's like any kind of a lot of the bands out there at the moment, right? You're never quite sure how many there are supposed to be. Uh, and it really depends who you talk to. So if you read the or listened to the ancient poet Hesiod, as you know, we all do when we're having a bit of downtime. Um, he uh, talked about nine, nine daughters of Zeus, king of the gods, and uh, someone called uh, Menuzni, which was kind of, you know, memory. And so the daughters of, of memory and Zeus were the muses uh, covering kind of each other little specialist area. So uh, knowledge, arts, poetry, literature, dance, music, that kind of thing. So there were nine. Um, but then if you look at another writer, uh, Varro, so Roman world, he thinks there's only three. Um, Pausanias, kind of another writer of second century AD, he thinks there's three, and they all live in Boeotia, which is a kind of central area of Greece, of which Thebes is the major city today. Um, so, yeah, it just keeps changing. You never know. Okay, uh, the point of us doing this is not to rip apart the film. We love the film, it's great in the way that it is, and we want it to stay the same. However, I think we should tackle probably the most, uh, the biggest problem, well, the biggest problem for me anyway, is that in this, referring to him as Hercules in the film, but Heracles, uh, was born to Heron Zeus, um, but he wasn't actually born that way, was he? Can you tell us what actually happened? Yeah, sadly, that is pretty much, isn't it? One of the, um, the I think they sidestep the issue because you can't really start a film with um, pretty much one of the most adulterous people in the entirety of Earth and human history storytelling, having yet another affair, fling, you know, stroke, sort of slightly sort of enforcing himself on uh, somebody else, which is actually what the story was. So where are we? Zeus, king of the gods, there he is. Um, I think in Greek myth, if you count them all up, he has something like 115 affairs outside of his marriage to Hera, his wife, um, and Heracles is the result of one of these affairs uh, with someone called uh, Alcmene, right? Now, she's a mortal, um, and she's actually about to be married to uh, a very nice other mortal chap called Amphitryon, whose name does pop up in the movie, but kind of not quite in the context uh, of the reality of the myth. So um, Zeus uh, and Alcmene, Alcmene gets pregnant uh, by Zeus, um, but she also, according to the myth, simultaneously gets pregnant by Amphitryon. So she's actually carrying two children uh, who have two, each has a different father, one of which is Heracles, son of Zeus, and another, the other is called Iphicles, um, who is the mortal son of Amphitryon uh, and Alcmene. And so um, Heracles, Heracles is born, uh, but obviously when Hera, Zeus's wife, finds out about this, she is not best pleased. And there's all sorts of great stories about how she sort of tries to delay the birth uh, of Heracles by making the goddess of childbirth sit down with her legs crossed so that uh, poor old Alcmene can't actually give birth. Um, but then kind of finally uh, Heracles is born and Iphicles is born. Um, and that's the sort of beginning of the storyline of Hera really not liking Heracles at all. 
Ouch. That's all I can say. Zeus is a dog, man. I mean, not as bad as... I, I, I mean, to be honest, I don't think either Zeus or Hera come out of this too well. Um, because, I, I mean, you know, you can completely understand Hera's desire to be upset. I don't think she'd be very surprised, given there's 115 of these affairs across Greek you know, mythology. It's not exactly new behaviour. Um, but uh, she seems to really take this one to heart. Um, because there's a child that sort of emerges from it, you know, that sort of permanent reminder of Zeus's um, infidelity. And they spend an awful lot of time trying to placate her because um, if we can go back to the name stuff for a second. Yeah. Wasn't actually his original name at all. When he was born, he was called Alcides was his name. Uh, so there was Alcides and then there was Iphicles, uh, the kind of the mortal and the immortal duo. Uh, he gets, Alcides gets renamed as Heracles later on down the line, which if you translate it literally, the name Heracles, it means um, for the glory, for the kleos, that's the Cles bit, of Hera. Um, and so, you know, he gets renamed. He takes a whole new name in an effort to placate Hera, uh, who basically otherwise tries to make his life a misery um, for him through no fault of his own, mind you, being uh, the uh, legitimate son of Zeus um, on one of his philandering adventures with uh, Alcmene. Wow. Um, so he gets kidnapped in the film, obviously. Let's talk about the kidnapping by pain and panic. Uh, then he strangles serpents. And this is in the actual mythology, isn't it? But excluding Hades' minions. Um, but it then becomes a much more dark story, doesn't it? Than just the bashing the serpents' heads together. Yeah, I mean, I love Pain and Panic. Uh, yeah. I, wish they, I wish they did exist, really. Um, you know, reporting for duty. Um, <laughs> but sadly, no, there's none of that. Um, and so in the kind of the way that the, the myth stories go, um, Alcmene is pretty aware that, that Hera is on the warpath um, for her and for this baby son, Alcides, as he was then called, Heracles, as he will be called. Um, and so she basically abandons him. She thinks there's no chance, absolutely no chance. So poor old Alcides Heracles, as a, a you know, newborn baby, gets abandoned in a field um, by, by, by his mum. Um, and then another goddess sweeps in, who's the goddess Athena, uh, and she sort of, you know, Athena and Hera have this great rivalry going on um, in kind of Greek mythology. And uh, Athena knows full well who this child is, but decides to play a trick on Hera and brings this baby to Hera and goes, oh, look, I found this completely anonymous baby in a field. Um, you know what, Hera, you're an amazing kind of mum and you're an amazing kind of giver of life and comfort and nurturing. Why don't you nurture this baby? And Hera kind of agrees and so suckles him. And as a result, Heracles, as he will be known, gets kind of extra immortal strength and power. But then supposedly in the myth, he sort of bites a bit too hard while he's suckling and she uh, sort of rips him off her breast. And the breast milk that spews forth was said to have then created the Milky Way. Uh, but kind of she then goes well, I'm not doing that again. And Athena goes, oh, yes, I'm terribly sorry. Kind of what a silly idea of me. Uh, and Athena takes the baby back and gives him back to Alcmene and her human mortal husband, Amphitryon, to look after. At which point, a couple of months down the line, Hera realises that she's been had and is 
understandably now doubly pissed off, and so sends these two serpents to kill uh, the eight-month-old Heracles and his uh, mortal brother Iphicles. But, um, you know, Heracles, because he's super strong, because A, you know, he's the son of Zeus, and B, he's suckled at the breast of Hera, uh, he is able to sort of just kill the serpents like that. And so, so the story begins of the ways in which Hera tries to ruin Heracles's life on an ongoing basis. It's pretty dark. I just love the alpha males out there who've just realised that the Milky Way is breast milk. <laughs> Can you imagine? You've ruined it for them. Don't look at the Milky Way anymore. Just don't do it. Or certainly don't look at it in the same way again. No. <laughs> so, Hades, I love Hades in the film. I mean, he just brings the whole film together. He is the best villain you could ever think of having. But in the real story, he isn't the villain. Hera is the villain, and she tries to kill Hercules, and we've just covered this, and I've just realised what I'm saying. Let me backtrack myself. On, I, mean, I mean, just you know, just to point out, you did also say Hercules. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean... <laughs> Let Alex can cut this. I'm so sorry. I'm not going to cut it. You can live with your mistake, Alina. Okay, let me move on to what I was actually <laughs> going to say. I will live I will live with the pain of saying Hercules because I'm not correctly reading it. Right. Sticking to say Hades, okay, we might as well move on. Because he is our bad guy. And um he ends up getting the job in the film of getting the underworld by Zeus. Zeus goes, Yep, here you go. This is this is your job now. But that, that's not actually how it happened, is it? Yeah, I mean, it's sort of skipped over again, isn't it? Kind of in the film, like all the gods have already got their jobs and have had their jobs for quite some time. And Hades, obviously, in, in the Disney film, is is a bit pissed at his job and is, you know, planning revolution uh, and mutiny and a, and a reordering of things. But uh, I mean, effectively, the, again, the myths that are, are told in the ancient Greek world dial back to an earlier phase when Zeus wasn't in charge at all. Actually, it was kind of the 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 older generation, his parents' generation of gods that were in charge um and uh, again I, I mean if you think about the greek gods as a whole um they are one of the most dysfunctional families you've ever come across right because zeus's dad uh was given a prophecy that he was going to be toppled from power by one of his children and his response to that was to eat all of his children um the moment they were born uh which you know uh, is one way of responding and going about it uh, and his wife uh, cunning as she was allowed him to eat all of their children until came to the last one it was Zeus which she disguised she swapped him out for a large stone so Zeus's dad ate a stone instead which prompted him to be sick regurgitating all his other kids uh, and they all then combined together like, you know, the Avengers assemble and sort of took him on and destroyed him and, and took over power. Those other kids were Poseidon, who will become God of the Sea, Hades, God of the Underworld, and Zeus. They're all brothers. Um, and so once they've toppled their dad, uh, you know, two of them having spent quite a bit of time in his stomach, uh, they have to decide sort of how to divide up ruling the world between them. And they literally do it by uh, drawing lots. You know, it's, it's a complete random lottery. Um, and the result of that, those lots are that Zeus gets the sky, Poseidon gets the sea, and Hades gets the underworld. 
So in the film, Megara was actually Heracles' wife. But in the myth, it's more of it's something that's really dark and it's actually really sad what happens. I mean, he ends up killing her, their children. But the film makes a far better love story than the dark side of the mythology. What do we actually know about his wife and how does he end up killing her? Yeah, so Meg, uh, I don't think she was ever known as Meg in ancient Greek uh, myth or reality, sadly, again, because I think it's, you know, it really suits her. Megara was a, a real woman. She was the daughter of a king. So again, very different from the film in which, you know, Meg is set up as a sort of, um, you know, the, the everyday girl that Hercules, oh God, I've done it, Hercules, Heracles. Uh, <laughs> it's one all, it's one all. It's only Alex who hasn't slipped up yet um Heracles you know is going to choose above all else and it's a great story of love conquers all right but actually uh, what we know about uh, Megara uh the real Meg uh was that she was the daughter of a king the king of Thebes so she was a princess uh and actually uh Heracles rocks up to help the king um with a big with a big war he's gone on um and as a result of helping him in that war he goes you know what mate thank you very much have a wife, have my daughter. Um, and Megara and uh, he get you kind of happily, happily married um, and they have kids. Uh, and it's all really, you know, it's, real, it's all really nice. It's a really nice story. But then our evil villain of the piece, Hera, turns up again and goes, hmm, I've got a sneaking plan about how to uh, kind of really upset this. And, and effectively what she does is she, she induces Heracles um, to, to just go completely nuts. He goes mad, right? And uh, the power of, you know, her divine power just completely sends him to Lally and he ends up killing his own children and his wife, Megara. Uh, and then when he's done this, she sort of releases him from this madness, at which point he's looking at what he's done going, oh my God, oh my God, how do I... Um, you know, atone for these terrible sins that I have committed. And she's sort of Hera, again, pulling the strings uh, behind the scenes slightly, gets an oracle. So one of the places you go to uh, to ask, what should you do when you've done something really bad? Um, gets an oracle to tell Heracles that he has to go and offer himself in service to a guy called King Eurystheus, who's this kind of arch enemy for a whole series of reasons, but you know, we don't need to get into that. But um, kind of basically he has to go to his mortal enemy, Eurystheus, and offer himself uh, for 10 years in servitude to do anything Eurystheus wants. And you know, only if he's able to complete the tasks that Eurystheus gives him, will he be free from the sin of killing his wife and children, which, you know, frankly, wasn't his fault in the first place because it was all here. She's a cow. Absolute cow. She comes off as like this loving mother in the Disney film. She's not, she's a monster. Yeah, I mean, you know, kind of, I guess, uh, Hera traditionally has a, a very, it is quite a split personality, right? I mean, don't forget, she's the person you're supposed to bring a baby to for mothering and nurturing and looking after. And yet she can simultaneously be this incredibly uh, vengeful character who is willing to stop at nothing to secure her own revenge. Um, and to say, if I had a kid, I ain't taking my baby anywhere near this woman. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, it sets up for you. It kind of helps you understand why the Greeks spend an awful lot of time thinking that their gods can be really for them, 
but they can also be really actively against them. And that's a concept I think we find very hard to kind of get our heads around, particularly if we're thinking in relation to modern religious beliefs in which the divine, however we choose to kind of conceptualise, tends to be quite a benevolent figure uh, in most ways. Um, and that is absolutely not the case in the ancient Greek world. And so the Greeks had to spend an awful lot of time trying to work out how best to keep the gods on side. Because if you didn't, not only did your plans for future success, health and happiness have no chance, but you were probably going to be struck down dead immediately. So, you know, it kind of these are these are these are nasty stories that kind of create a very sort of strict world order around them about, you know, how you have to behave vis-a-vis the gods. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. So his 12 labors, how close are they to what we see in the cartoon? Yeah, pretty pretty good. So 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 the twelve labors come out of him having to go and serve this king Eurystheus for ten years and do whatever he says. And Eurystheus sets him these tasks, labors. There are originally ten, uh, and he completes the ten. And then Eurystheus says, "You know what? I'm not actually going to accept two of those on minor technicalities," and adds two more. So that's how you get to the 12. And you do kind of see them a little bit in the film, you know, particularly when sort of the muses are doing the brilliant kind of zero to hero song uh, and kind of there you're getting short, snappy images of him going around kind of killing monsters and bashing birds and, you know, doing all sorts of things. Uh, And quite a few of the myths are kind uh, kind of registered, if very briefly there, but it's things like, Um, killing uh, a very famous and fierce lion, the Nemean lion, um, killing another monster called the Hydra, uh, capturing a very kind of flighty uh, hind uh, deer that belonged to Artemis, capturing a boar that no one else could get hold of. The one that doesn't feature at all, and you can pretty much understand why Disney didn't want to put this one in, is that he is sent off to clean the Algian stables, um, which basically are some horses' stables. And these horses produce more crap than any horses uh, around the world combined. No one can possibly clean the stables. And he's given the task of cleaning it in a single day, uh, which he manages to do by diverting a river rather cunningly um, to help sort of wash out the stables. But, you know, surprise, surprise, they don't show that in the film. I love that. I'm sorry. That is that is probably the highlight of this of this podcast. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, kind of, it gives a whole new meaning to Heracles being willing to get down and dirty, doesn't it? Um, literally, literally. I, just, I can't, I, being, t having animals, it's hard enough. Having to imagine to do it on such a large scale is just unimaginable. Yeah, single-handedly. Uh, and, and he, and interestingly enough, um, kind of that is one of the labours that Eurystheus tries to then discount uh, because technically... Uh, the, the, the people who owned the stables, the Albion stables, paid Heracles uh, to clean them up uh, in a single day. And so he got financial recompense for the task. And thus, it doesn't qualify as one of the tasks that he should do to be alleviated of the sin of killing his wife and children induced by the madness of Hera. So kind of that's how Eurystheus tries to get out of the technicality and um, impose a, a, a future labour. But and one of those other future labours that sort of comes in the film, but doesn't really get set up, uh, but does involve Hades. You know, so Hades does get a look in because the last uh, labour, the one that's added on at the end, is to um, go and capture Cerberus. Um, the you know two-headed uh, headed dog of um, of Hades living in the underworld, um, which kind of comes in at the end when when Heracles sort of you know charges down um, to Hades to sort of get the soul of Meg and bring her back to life again. Uh, he sort of you know takes over the dog at that point, but actually the kind of the final labour of Heracles was to to go and capture that that uh, charming uh, pet. In a sudden flash, it all comes clear. It's a eureka moment, an epiphany. Hi, I'm Marcus Smith, host of the Constant Wonder Podcast. The world offers marvel, meaning, and mystery around every single corner. In nature, art, science, culture, history, we talk everything from bees and beetles to obelisks and asteroids. Experience the thrill of transformative encounter. We'll bring more wonder to your day. Listen to Constant Wonder wherever you get your podcasts. However sad all of this is, because it is, it is really sad and it is really dark and he does kill his wife and he does kill his children. Is there anything that brings about some happiness? Does he ever remarry again in the myths? Uh, yes, he does. But I'm sorry to break it to you. It's not exactly the start of uh, a sort of happy ever after um, moment for him. So, yeah. So he gets released from the sin of having killed his first wife and children and he goes off um, and marries so, uh, another princess, right? So, so Heracles does not really have a have an eye for uh, anyone b below kind of princess level, um, and she's called Princess uh, kind of Iola. I, I mean, it's a bit of a it's a bit of an unpleasant story. He sort of rocks up um, again uh, with the with the royal family, and the king tries to actually cheat him this time. Um, and so kind of he goes, fine, well, I'll just abduct my bride then. Um, and uh, kind of it's all it's all a bit complicated. Then Hera comes back again uh, and induces a second uh, fit of madness in him, um, which means he kills uh, his bride again, as well as the bride's brother, um, who was the only person he'd sort of left alive from, from from having been cheated by the family the first time. So, so that's marriage number two out the window, and to atone for that period, second period of madness, he has to do three years of service to a queen, another uh, lady called Queen Omphale of Lydia, who he ends up marrying. So that's uh, kind of marriage number three. Um, and, uh, but then uh, he marries a fourth time, finally to someone called Dinaria. Um, so kind of, yeah, he, he makes his way through um, the ladies, to a certain extent though, through no fault of his own. 
I don't care. I don't like Heracles anymore. Don't marry him. Surely, like, can you, what does his Tinder profile look like? Murdered my first three wives looking for number four. But it doesn't really, fourth time a charm doesn't really sound that good, does it? When you kind of, that's the story of the first three. No, he just sounds like a bit of a git, really. Um, in the film, <laughs> Titans were in actual human form. In the film, they're portrayed as giants, aren't they? Um, in the myths, he helps one of them, Prometheus. What does he do? Yeah, so is this the story back in good old Hesiod, who was the, the ancient poet who thought there were nine muses. And Hesiod tells the story that Heracles, because he's so amazingly powerful, um, goes and helps this uh, titan who's called Prometheus, who's the one who gave fire to mankind, and as a result was punished forever by Zeus, um, uh, in that he was chained to a rock and had uh, a nasty uh, eagle come along every day and pick out his liver uh, and eat it. And then overnight, the liver would regrow. And then the next day, the eagle would come back and pick it out again and eat it. Um, and this was to go on for eternity. Um, Heracles rocks up and uh, kills, not only kills the eagle um, that had been, uh, you know, nibbling on a daily basis on Prometheus's liver, but actually then goes on to free Prometheus from the rock he's, he's chained to. So, you know, yes, by any modern standards, we could look at Heracles, we could look at Hera, and we could see them all as pretty nasty individuals. But actually, when you see them in the context of everyone else in Greek myth and how people behave, this is pretty standard. Um, kind of, they're they're doing what kind of is expected of them, and what every other kind of member of this Greek myth collective does, which is exert huge and incredible force and power to get what they want whenever they can, and suffer uh, incredibly awful consequences when others have that power over them. Okay, so apart from the twelve labors, Heracles. I said it right this time. Nice job. Has, he's, got, he's had so many adventures. I mean, the list is as long as my arm of the adventures that he does and he gets part of. He, he sacks Troy. He was an Argonaut. He kills giants, challenges gods to drinking contests. Out of all of these incredibly long moments, which are your favourite? First question. And then the second question, second part, which ones do you think should have been included in the film? Uh, yeah, so kind of he's not he's busy outside of his twelve labors, and you're right. These don't, these kind of don't get a, a bit of a, a look in in the film, do they? Because you know once he's sort of um, sorted out the Hades Zeus rivalry contest, he, he sort of swans off into into the distance with a, with a, with a you know happy happy sunset behind him and Meg. Um, I think my favourite is though one that isn't in the film, but I think it inspired part of the film. So one of the other stories that, that about Heracles is that he rocks up at his mate's house, um, a, a guy called Admetus, um, to sort of, you know, basically kick back and have a drink with his mate, to find Admetus really kind of upset and, and sad. And eventually Admetus admits that uh, it's because his wife, is, Alcestis, has just died. Um, and Heracles goes, well, you know, that's not on. Uh, I'm sure we can do something about that. And he goes down. Uh, or goes to the grave and challenges death um, to and forces death to give back the soul of Alcestis and brings her back to life for uh, Admetus. So, I mean, you, know, you can see how that inspires the end of the film where he's got to go down to Hades and find the soul of Meg um, and bring her back to life. Uh, but, you know, he doesn't actually do that for, for his girl. He does it for somebody else's. That's not 
very fun. Like, he, he killed three of his wives. Can't you just go... No, I've, I'm annoyed now. Now he's into women's lib now. <laughs> he's going to go and save his mate's missus. Yeah, but not his own. No. <laughs> Although, I mean, the story of how Heracles himself dies might give you a little bit of comfort, which is that um, uh, basically his final wife, uh, Dinaria, gets tricked into offering Heracles um, as a present uh, this shirt. Um, but it's a shirt which is imbued with super strong poison from one of the creatures that uh, Heracles has previously killed. And Heracles puts it on and the poison sort of infects his skin and he dies tearing at his skin. Uh, in agony while simultaneously building his own funeral pyre um, and, and then sort of dies in, in distress and agony on it. Um, so, you know. Start. <laughs> it, but that doesn't make a very good Disney ending, does it? Rather, no. holding hands into the sunset is a better, is a better Disney film um, ending. Exactly, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's, you know, Heracles gets whitewashed in Disney, in the Disney film, he's a good guy, right? I mean, okay, he goes a little bit uh, astray in the middle of the film, forgets who he is, gets a bit angry with Meg, but you know, at the end of the day, he's a, he's pretty much from start to finish a good guy, and the only thing he's got to do a little bit when he's young is you know work out how to control his strength. Um, the character of Heracles, as you see him in Greek myth, is a much darker, much more complex character, who you know from the get go, from when he's young, not only can't control his strength. But more importantly, and more worryingly, can't control his temper. So one of the other stories I love about him is that uh, when he's, you know, a teenager, he he's getting music lessons, um, and his music tutor has the temerity to tell him that, you know, he's not doing very well and he needs to practice more. Uh, and he Heracles probably turns around and kills him. Um, so, you know, lesson number one, don't critique and criticise Heracles because he can't really take it. Uh, and then we've seen the instances of when, you know, madness is visited on him, sure, but there are also lots of other examples where he just gets angry um, and, you know, then kind of does things because of his superhuman strength in a fit of anger, which lays waste to uh, lots of people around him. And, um, you know, so, so on the one hand, uh, he is this kind of heroic guy. And there are ancient writers who talk about him like that. There's an ancient writer called Alien, his name is, who, who basically just sums up uh, Heracles. He goes, you know, Heracles is the guy who who made the world safe for mankind, you know, kind of, you know, zero. It sounds to like that weird advert with Mo Salah that's going around on Sky Sports where you're like, when did he become Jesus? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know, kind of. Yeah, I mean, he really, you know, he really is just just a good guy. Um, and then there's also this just really dark side to him. And there's a there's a famous statue of Heracles, which who was actually created. It was actually created in the Roman period, so we should probably talk about it as a Hercules. But when you look at him, I mean, it's a it's a colossal. Uh, you know, it's probably ten well, sort of eight, eight meters high. I would say maybe a little less than that. Um, but it's a you know it's a fully naked statue of Heracles. Obviously, he's very muscle bounding, etc. But when you look at his face and when you look at his countenance, what you see is looks a little bit drunk, looks a little bit really grumpy, looks like someone you would not trust as far as you could throw him, which probably isn't very far, and you know looks like somebody who could come off the leash at any moment and and not be able to control himself. And that's the kind of other side of, of Heracles, which was really there in the Greek myths, but which does not make it into um, the Disney film. 
doesn't make it into Disney. And we've based our interview with you around Disney because uh, it reminds all of us when we were young. But there are lots of other representations of Heracles slash Hercules, aren't there? Which ones are more accurate? Which ones do you like, not like? Yeah, I mean, kind of, he's such a, a, a figure that everyone sort of falls in love with. You know, there are Roman emperors, Roman emperors like Commodus, who make him uh, that kind of personal god that they really want to emulate. And, you know, we all know about Commodus, don't we? Because we've seen Gladiator. Yeah, that is complex <laughs> and, about uh, power uh, and bad leader. Yeah. yeah, so it kind of makes sense why kind of Heracles, Hercules would be his kind of, you know, personal god he wanted to emulate. So there's lots of different images of him within the kind of Mediterranean world. But what I find really interesting is that this figure of the kind of strong man who's half human, half divine, that's kind of stuck between both worlds, actually ends up echoing and overlapping with lots of other cultures going east in antiquity. So you sort of see um, as, as the Greeks went east, you know, and obviously we've got Greeks uh, living and as far east as what is now modern day Afghanistan into India um, and taking with them their culture and their stories and then mixing with the native cultures, stories, religions and ideas of those parts of the world. Um, and so you find myths about Hercules, uh, Heracles turning up in India as being actually born there, founding a city there. You see him overlapping with Zoroastrian and Persian divinities, kind of this idea of the strong man, like, um, so kind of in Zoroastrian religious terms, it might be a guy called Brahmin or the Persian god Verithagna, kind of there's an overlap, and there's even an overlap between Heracles um, and, and the Buddha, right, in Buddhism, kind of one of the protectors of the Buddha, uh, a figure called um, Vajrapani, uh, kind of is in the, in the art that is created, the artistic sculptures and statues that created in this kind of Central Asian, Northern Indian part of the world in antiquity, basically Heracles and this figure are identical and they're sort of merged with one another. So Heracles kind of finds his way into all sorts of different cultural stories and ideas stretching all the way from in the West, you know, Britain, all the way in the, uh, in the East to what is modern day Afghanistan, Northern India and Pakistan. I think that's incredible that one myth has managed to stretch so far over such distances. Yeah. And it, it says something about how um, kind of enticing we find this idea, you know, there's a reason Disney's Hercules was such a successful and and good film, because I think we are all a little bit in love with this idea of a super kind of strong human who kind can take on in some way and cross over into the immortal world and the stories that such a person might get up to, the good and the bad. Um, and, and clearly that strikes a nerve in all sorts of cultures, both ancient and modern, um, and as a result, we're, we're pretty enthralled by him. I mean, you know, I've heard rumours that they are finally getting round to uh, uh, making a, 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 an actual proper movie of Hercules, like they've been taking, you know, lots of the cartoon uh, cartoons of the past and uh, turning them into actual films like they've done recently with uh, Mulan, wasn't it, and uh, kind of a couple of others, that Hercules might be soon on the list. I don't know how I feel about that because they botched Milan. It all is going to come down to who they choose to play Heracles. And the muses. All, all nine of them. 
all three of them. Yeah, I think, I mean, I mean, you know, that, that for me is pretty much the most inspired choice of the entire Disney film is, is, is making the muses uh, gospel singers. Um, that and using ancient Greek drinking ware, you know, the cups, the plates, the vases, etc., um, to be kind of freeze frame storytelling narrative uh, tools. They had, me, they had me when they showed the first Greek amphora. <laughs> I don't even know if that makes you easy or not it is an inspired choice it's genius uh Michael thank you so much for coming on to talk to us about the real Heracles um and I think I'm the only one that hasn't messed that up so I get a prize I get gin I'm gonna give myself gin for not messing that up um, <laughs> but thank you for coming on to share some of the mythology behind the Disney film uh and the other representations of him that we can uh, get out and see no worries, guys. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to see you. You can help us at History Hack by joining us via Patreon. It takes quite a lot of effort and a lot of work of quite a big team now to keep us going. And so if you could donate as little as £3 a month, it would be massively appreciated by all of us. There's different levels because Princess Marcus has set it all up with uh, varying rewards and things. So do have a look. Do join us. There's uh, an exclusive Facebook group as well and you can be part of all of it. When our guests join us to talk about their work and their new book, the 45 minutes or so they spend with us is just a taster of all their efforts. So to this end, we have launched our very own bookshop on bookshop.org, where you can find our guests' latest and greatest books. You can support them and you can support History Hack too. 10% of every sale via our bookshop supports the podcast and allows us to keep at it and bring you more amazing guests. You can find our bookshop at bookshop.org forward slash shop forward slash hack history or just search on bookshop.org for us under the shops bit. Thank you for your continued support and here's to your next great book. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.